Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk Michigan Edition. Jeff here. Dan, what's going on, man? It's hate week, dude. Let's get it. <clears throat> yeah, beat state, dude. Beat Michigan State. Something that, uh, for whatever reason, there's this stigma about. We just haven't been able to do, you know? Uh, let's start. I'm, I'm just going to start with this because you, you said it and it's already on my mind. The one thing that I've said for a while that I want Michigan to be able to do is beat everybody else. I understand we're not always going to beat Ohio State, but beat everybody else. Uh, I said, and I said, I believe I said this on the pod talking to you last week. As of right now, I believe you have Ohio State and Michigan, however you want to rank those two. And then I believe there is a gap. Make sure that make sure there's a gap. So beat Michigan State. Um last week we talked Penn State. Obviously, we're that's that's a big win. Top ten matchup at the time. Uh, or maybe top twelve. I don't even remember what they were, but I mean it was a top ten, it was a big time matchup for us, and we take care of business. This one, while the opponent may seem Less than, I don't think we can let it get to that point. What are your, obviously it's hate week. Obviously it's Michigan State. How are you feeling going into this matchup? Man, it, I tell you, it, it, it's it's weird. <clears throat> Beginning or getting the season, preseason, whatever. I personally feel confident that Michigan should go out and beat the, should go out and beat the Spartans. As the game gets closer, you just—I get the feeling of like, dude, you don't know whatever, you don't know what's going to happen in this game, right? Um, you know, Michigan is generally the heavy favorite every year, and it just doesn't pan out that way. Obviously, the last two seasons, Michigan State's uh, had U of M's number, and uh, you know, drives me up the wazoo. Uh, you know, last year we've talked about it, you know, or we talked about last year, you know. Numerous times since then, you know, that was a game where Michigan was a better team, should have won that game. And, you know, Michigan State uh, kept breathing life into their sails and and Michigan was kind of escorting them in that direction. And, you know, Michigan State came out on top at the very end, which all that matters. And so, yeah, going in this going in this game, man, uh, um, I don't know what to expect, you know? Yeah, I do. I do think there's a bit of a. A disappointing feeling obviously when you lose any football game i think it could be even worse when you leave the game thinking to yourself what just happened we were so much better like it we let that one get away or um obviously when you start thinking like what the hell i think the the lead at one point was 30 to 14 wasn't it it was a 16 point lead at one point okay 16 yeah so, and they let that one slip away, which is really tough. Any any loss is tough, but obviously when you when you're you're on the road in in that type of matchup, and I believe last year's was top ten. It's tough to let that one slip away, especially when at the time our direction as a football team was not clear, and I think it was really hard to kind of understand that the season was still alive because after that moment, it it felt, it felt like all we were doing at that point was trying to beat Ohio state. Like, Oh, 
the season's officially done. We're just going to try and beat Ohio State. Um, but we've alluded to this a couple of times, too, and I wanted to bring this up real quick before I throw it back to you. But uh, we've been able to run the ball on literally everybody over the last two seasons except Georgia. We were able to have our way every which way with Michigan State last year. It just turning the ball over and, and you know, mental mistakes and allowing that team to get momentum at home. And obviously that game slips away. And you've kind of alluded to a second ago, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll throw this back to you. Michigan's almost always the, the better team going into this game, but for whatever reason, the W's aren't necessarily there, especially since the famous little brother comment from Mike Hart, it's almost, the tides almost turned at that very moment. As soon as Mike Hart and company left this school, Rich Rod comes in, Brady Hope comes in, and Michigan State starts to win more and more of those games. You know, the the Kirk Cousins eras, the the Brian Hoyer eras. Um, gosh, you know, it's escaping me, but there's there's some other guys in there that were able to really have Connor Cook was able to have yeah. some success against Michigan. Um what what's your opinions there? Yeah, uh, you know, going go uh, going into this, you know, U of M is two and five versus spread under Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, I'll start from 2015. Uh, I'll, we'll start from when Jim Harbaugh essentially you know came in, and up until now, 2015, Michigan seven uh, seven point favorite didn't cover. 2016, U of M is 24 and a half point favorite didn't cover. 2017, Michigan's a 10-point favorite, didn't cover. Uh, 2018, U of M was a seven-point favorite, they covered. 2019, 13 and a half favorite, covered. 2020, 21 and a half point favorite, did not cover. And then last year, a four-point uh, favorite, and of course they didn't cover. They lost that game. And then this Saturday, they are a 22 and a half point favorite as of right now. So, yeah, Michigan always heavily favored, but this is. You know, I'm gonna res- I'm respecting Michigan State right now, but it is plainly their Super Bowl, right? And that's not <clears throat> saying that they're bums, or whatever. But this is Michigan State Super Bowl. They live and breathe this game. And since Jim Harbaugh's here, you know, been here, uh, this has just been kind of one of those next games, another conference game. And I I said it last year going in uh, to 2021, Michigan. I felt like needed to take care of this rivalry first before they. Uh, really put their eyes on November's uh, final game, Ohio State. Um, Mel Tucker's 2-0 right now. You know, say what you will about 2020, about the COVID year, but Michigan needs to string three, four, five wins in a row against Michigan State. It's not easy to do. They ripped off six before Lloyd Carr uh, retired. And then on uh, Michigan's down, uh, uh, the start of their their down era, you know, Michigan State has elevated itself, <clears throat> and um, so they, they, it's, it's a monumental task to go into this weekend and, and to beat these boys. Going in preseason, I thought maybe this game's in the 30s, maybe 35 30. I wrote down in my notes, Michigan would win, but you know, I just again, you don't know what's ever gonna happen. We're, we've said it last year in our preview for this game, they're gonna throw out that stat on Saturday of. So many times, for so many times, the the team who wins leads the game in rushing. That favored us last year. That favored us the year before. 
and you no, know, it favors us this year. So is that going to make a difference or not? Remains to be seen. Peyton Thorne, I thought, you know, was really supposed to take the next level this year. They've kind of leveled off on offense, um, and their defense is just as bad as last year. You know, on the back nine in terms of every statistical category almost in the conference and nation, uh, their secondary has not gotten any better. Um, they they dropped four in a row before they hit Wisconsin with a W there. So they got some, they got their momentum back, or at least something to build off of, man. And this is, uh, this is going to be a game where, you know, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. <clears throat> yeah, you know, another thing I kind of pointed out to you before we got, before we uh, started hitting record, it's just, it's really funny as you go through <coughs> this rivalry that's played every year for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. You know, it's it's kind of the for one side, it's definitely the Super Bowl. While it should be the Super Bowl for both sides, um, one team treats it like that's the only game that matters on their entire schedule for at least that day. Um, and Michigan just really hasn't hasn't been to that point. But it's it's so funny because these games they all seem to have a nickname. And as you you know, I I'm scrolling through the Michigan-Michigan State football rivalry just on Wikipedia here. And I'll work from 2007 down, and it's so funny. Um, the 2007 game, the little brother game. Um, 2008, D'Antonio's promise is kept. 2012, Gibbons, Gibbons field goal as time runs out. 2013, negative 48 rushing yards. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you remember that one. 2015, it's not called Hardball's First. It's called Trouble with the Snap. Everybody remembers that one. 2017, the first night game. 2020, Halloween upset. 2021, undefeated top 10 matchup. I mean, these games have, they have their nicknames because they're big time. And it's just like Michigan needs to treat them like they're big time, especially as they've, it's it's very clear they're treating Ohio State like it's that. I understand Michigan State's three and four. I understand Michigan State is completely underachieved, but we've underachieved as the appropriate rival yeah. to, to Michigan State over the last X amount of years. With that being said, enough of the enough of the we haven't been able to beat them. Let's talk about how we can. In your opinion. Do you have a key to, to Saturday's matchup? Obviously, you alluded to the run game, you know, the, the statistic that's out there, but uh, give me something more than that. All right, so I got I wrote down three keys to victory for both teams. For Michigan, um, I have don't turn the ball over. Obviously, you don't want to relive last year as a Michigan fan with with the fumble, uh, the, the, couple, the two fumbles that with J.J., one of them being a fumble loss, and that really uh, – uh, put life into their sails and for Michigan State, that is. Um, so take care of the football. Uh, real real wow. quick, not to interrupt you. My number one key to victory, don't turn the ball over. There you go. And mine's in all caps, too. So that's Yeah. Um, my next one is seven points, not three. Michigan, yeah, you know, luckily the last two years I've had Jake Moody um, – 2021 Lou Groza award winner for nation's best kicker. Um, 
you got to get seven points. The, the the Penn State game last weekend or two weeks ago, uh, you know, that game should have been 21-0. It ended up only being 13-0, and Penn State kept it close at halftime. If we don't want to see close nail-biter game where Michigan State hangs around forever, get seven points. And just like in 2019, Michigan knocked them to the ground and stepped on their neck. Do that every chance you get. And we go in there into the red zone and get seven points, and at the field goal, they're going to be in good shape. Uh, and my third one is limit the penalties. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, last year, I would say the last two seasons, the referees for some reason like to get themselves involved in this rivalry game just way too much. 2020 was a lot of ticky-tack PI calls, and Joel Klatt, I think, was calling that game with Gus Johnson. And right off the bat, they said, if, the, if these PIs are going to get called, Michigan's going to be in for a rude awakening because Michigan's defense was not great 2020, and Michigan State was literally playing, what the hell, let's see what happens, just chucking the ball up there. Michigan corners under Don Brown were really physical, played man coverage all day long, and that came and bit Michigan in the ass. They couldn't stop them because there's just yellow flag city, laundry city. And so this year, uh, under Jesse Minner, the, these these corners do play a little uh, bump and run sometimes. I know a lot, a lot of times they do play soft coverage, but, you know, when the ball goes deep, I notice that Jermon Green, D.J. Turner, they are hand fighting a little bit. So we'll see what happens, and uh, maybe we'll see uh, them try to attack Will Johnson, the freshman. But, uh, you know, I have more confidence, way more confidence in our, in our, in our secondary now than, we, than I did in 2020. So um, just hopefully they can keep that under wraps. <laughs> So, is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mikey, obviously, I, I told you, number one, we 100% agree. You cannot turn this ball over. You can't allow yeah. them to give them any idea that they can win this game. And turning the ball over is 100% that. Um, number two, and while I don't anticipate that this would happen, I didn't anticipate it would happen last year, and it did. Cut the shit and stop trying to be fancy. Win the game with how you're built to win this game. Last year, it was, let's put JJ in late in this game and see if we can run some crazy-ass shit late. And then all of a sudden, you're fumbling and because you, you're trying to get cute. Mm -hmm. Put the ball in the hands of Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and drive it through the tackles until nobody can stop them because that's what they've been successful at. Don't try and get cute. Run the rock. Okay? And number three. And this is huge. You, you you can't play down. They're not a three and four team. You cannot play down and treat them like a three and four team. If you play down and treat them like a three and four team, a 22 point spread becomes a two point victory for them. And all of a sudden we're staring up at the scoreboard like, damn it, another opportunity slipped away. You can't do it. Mm -hmm. You cannot treat this team as if they can't compete because they're three and four. <clears throat> because fuck that Tucker dude, but he's coming until we make him not come. So yep. as of right, as of right now, he's two and zero against Michigan. He feel he's feeling himself. He might not be feeling himself against the rest of the big 10, but he is when he's coming in against Ann Arbor of against the Wolverines. So Harbaugh needs to 100% have these boys ready, which I believe he does. I believe he does. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that they're taking this game very seriously. And which brings me to my next point. So there were four goals to start the year that Jim Harbaugh said, okay? Beat Ohio State, 
beat Michigan State in the same season, win the Big Ten, win the national championship. I firmly believe when it was written in stone, when Harbaugh was asked and he gave those goals, this is this is big time for him. He understands the magnitude of it. The opportunity to, to check off a, a, a goal this, this weekend has to be big. Would you agree? Absolutely. So I guess that's really where I'm going at. I just think that this has got to be Treat it like the Super Bowl for the, you know, it, it's theirs. We need to treat it like ours. Don't play down. Check off a goal this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a couple of over-unders unless you had anything else. Well, I, real quick, I will, I'll keep it very brief <clears throat> for Michigan State. My three key victories oh, for Michigan oh, State. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. Is they got to stop run, Michigan's run game. Make J.J. beat you. Obviously, your secondary is your weakness, but Michigan strengths their run game. Sell out, stop the run. Next is time of possession. Keep the ball away from us. And then uh, lastly, establish their run game. And then in doing so, you'll to help take care of that time of possession problem. But, um, you know, last year that they, they definitely did that. They, they tried to sell out with the run or whatever, and that's when Cade McNamara had his best career day in terms of stat wise in the air, because I know a lot of that was from Andrew Anthony's one, that one long catch, but um, you made Michigan kind of one dimensional in a way Michigan could run the ball, but that game was so wacky. Uh, the flow of it was just, just odd, but anyways, go ahead. <laughs> um, Oh, over unders. Okay. Over on, and this one's been kind of a constant so far this year, but. Over under rushing yards for Blake Corum, ninety nine point five. So over under a hundred, basically. And now we've seen the emergence of Donovan Edwards. This may be tougher. Where are you going here? I'm gonna I'm gonna go under. A little mixture because Donovan Edwards is gonna probably be factored in a little bit more. <laughs> and uh, secondly, I think Michigan is gonna be a little bit more balanced this game. <clears throat> okay. Over under Blake Corum touchdowns at one point five. Uh, I'll, I'll go over. Okay, so you like him to score a couple of TDs, huh? All right. Yeah. Why not? Yep. JJ McCarthy passing touchdowns over under one point five. Um, I'll say, I'll say over. Okay. I think, yeah, I, you know, I think, I think get to, I would love to see McCarthy as definitely one of the reasons they win this weekend. I just think it's going to be a lot of Corman, a lot of Edwards, just like it is against every team. I think that is just the, that seems like the key to victory. Just absolutely obliterating them between the tackles, running the football. Just seems to work just about every time. And not that JJ's not ready for a moment like this, but I'm sure he'll get his opportunities. But uh, I don't know. I'll take the under on that, but just barely. I think he gets at least one. But a um, couple things before we before we move on. So Eric All pretty much announced he's out for the year. 
we kind of had a feeling that was the case. He announced on all his social media that he had a back surgery. Um, wish Eric, Eric all a speedy recovery opinions on that and the tight end room moving forward. Yeah. Well, at least Michigan has been blessed with a, a large tight end room. Um, you know, obviously Schoonmaker has stepped up quite a bit and played, played some, uh, played in big in key moments last season too. Uh, Eric all. Yeah. We, the rumor was, <coughs> excuse me, that he was going to be uh, out for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure it wasn't concrete on, on what the, the surgery was going to be, but uh, he had back surgery and uh, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh specifically is really tight lipped on, uh, on his players injuries on, and on the length of time. Obviously we haven't even seen the Kyle Hill green play yet this year. And uh, he was supposed to be making a huge impact this season, but you know, uh, even when it comes down to what, like when Jim Harbaugh first got here, he wouldn't even announce his starting roster in the stadium. So, uh, very tight lip for a reason, and so we we don't know if Eric Hall, if if this is going to be um, career ending on, on the severity of it, or if this is going to postpone him till you know next season after and maybe getting a red shirt because um, you know the combine is next year really, but uh, it's closer than people think, and you factor in rehab time and putting the pads back on and stuff like that. I'm like, would he even be ready for that NFL combine? Would he be at light work? Would he just do a pro day in Ann Arbor? So uh, just hopefully, just hope he does. He, he gets through it and, and um, can still play the game of football, the game he loves. Cause you know, obviously he's an, a, uh, um, a father, a new, new, newly uh, devoted father. So yeah, I wish him the best. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of crazy that Michigan's had, two tight ends that were probably NFL tight ends that just really weren't able to make their spark due to injury. Obviously Jake bought with the ACL injury in the bowl, in the, in the bowl game. And now Eric Hall with a potential back injury, who knows what that was going to be. But I did hear before the season that they were talking about Eric Hall being maybe a day two, day three tight end. So crazy. Um, I guess one more over under prediction. I don't expect you to say that Michigan's losing this game, so let's go off the spread. 22-and-a-half over-under. Uh, I don't think they're going to cover, buddy. I mean, obviously, they've done it two different two times since 2015, and um, those are – I don't know, man. It, again, I, I think this is going to be a one-possession ball game. I, I don't think they cover. If I, if I were a betting man, which I'm not an expert, so don't go – People listening don't be like, oh, this is what the insight. Now, uh, if I do put money on this game, though, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it, uh, you know, um, plus the uh, plus the numbers towards uh, Sparty. Yeah, yeah, twenty two and a half is a ton in this type of game. Um, it, it is one of those games where sometimes you just have to throw the records out. So twenty two and a half seems like a lot. Um, while I do think it's possible that they do cover, I would venture to assume they do not as well. Uh, one more thing it has to do with covering, um, has to do with winning all that. I seen on Twitter that this guy posted his bet slip in a way of making sure that Saturday he goes to bed happy. He put, I believe the way it featured out, he put like a $150 bet on Michigan state to win the game outright. And it paid out like two grand. 
So basically, if Michigan doesn't win, he's taking home two grand. Opinions on that? Is that something you think you could ever do? Not a not a hundred fifty bucks. I would, I would uh, maybe rope it in on a on a low risk, high reward parlay or something like that. But by no means am I going to drop one hundred fifty. And maybe that's uh, you know that's a lot to some and, and not a lot to to other people. But that's yeah. just too much, man. That's just too much. But that, it's funny that you asked me that question. It reminds me of the time where we went to Ann Arbor in 2014 for that debacle of a game. And uh, when we were sitting there at the bar, whatever, those Michigan fans, whatever, were cheering when Michigan State was scoring. And we were looking over like, the hell's the matter with you? Like, you guys never bet before? I was like, I'm not going to bet against my own team. <laughs> the hell's the matter? Yes, I, I do remember okay. that. So maybe betting against your team. Kinda like for me, like I said, I would do, like do a low risk, high reward parlay. But to go out there and like where when with your Michigan stuff on, like go out of your way to then cheer when Michigan State does something, like you ain't you ain't no true fan in, in my book. Not not even not a chance. We're, it, the thing is, is we weren't even at like no Applebee's or Beatles, weren't we at the Brown Jug? We were no, we were at the arena in Ann Arbor. Okay, okay. So yeah, we're literally downtown. We're on campus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Um are we we're at the mailbag, aren't we? Let's do it. <clears throat> uh first question comes in. Top five Heisman candidates. I'll go first. No specific order. Um, no specific order, though I will say that C.J. Stroud probably has the lead right now, but it's minuscule. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State. Um, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee. Uh, I don't know how you can't include Max Duggar anymore from TCU. He's got to be up there. Blake Corum, Michigan. Man, number five, number five, number five. Probably Caleb Williams, USC. Because if I mean, Bryce Young's missed games, so I'm gonna leave him out. But yeah, Caleb Williams, USC. What about you? Well, uh, I threw in a wide receiver in here too because I miss when this trophy was given to the best player in the country. And it seems like now it's just more, it's just, it's another trophy. The quarterback wins. That's why they already have, they have the Maxwell and they have, you know, one other, two other trophies geared towards the nation's best quarterback. Give it to the, give it to that person. Then I, I mean, I, I just want to see more diversity in terms of position wise. So I added Marvin Harrison jr. From Ohio state on here, whatever, probably not in the top five in terms of votes at all, but I threw his name in there out of respect. um, And probably is, one of the best top three best receivers in the, in the country. Um, and if Jackson Smith and the Jigba wasn't uh, banged up, probably would be definitely in a highest uh, consideration. Um, and then, again, this is an order, like you said, uh, Hennon Hooker, uh, CJ Stroud, Blake Corum. And then lastly is, is Bryce Young. So three quarterbacks, one running back, one wide receiver, but yeah, man, I just, I, I just uh, feel like this is becoming too top-heavy with the QB. I understand people's thoughts on that, though. This one comes in from Kyle Miller. I don't know if I said it, but this last question was from Jamie Lado. But this one comes in from Kyle Miller. 
What is the most unexpected thing to happen so far in the Big Ten? I got two. What? Number one, Michigan State falling to the floor. Did not did not see this coming. Uh, did I think that they would win the Big Ten? No. Did I think that they would be three and four through seven games? Absolutely not. Thought they'd be way more competitive. Thought they'd be better than this. Um, I just anticipated better things. Second thing, Illinois. Illinois just having an absolute, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess turnaround season. Was that the word to use? Yep. I mean, they've just been, yep. they've been great. And if the season ended today, they would play for the Big Ten championship in Indianapolis. So, yeah, I mean, that's yep. got to that's got to mean and say something. So, uh, those two things. Obviously, a high for Illinois, a low for Michigan State. What about you? Well, and we don't collab before it before this either. Too, I like how like even when we started when we do our, our like just like more of we always we've lately been doing one A one B and we haven't even discussed that at all. So I like that. But yeah. uh, I wrote down two. I wrote down two things as well. Um, first thing: two coaches getting fired from the same division. Um, you know, Kirk, uh, not Kirk Harris, uh, Paul, Chris, and um, Scott Frost. I didn't think that. Uh, both of them would have been fired before November, um, you know, and I felt like both of them, I mean, at least Paul Chris, I thought would have been, was at least, should have been at least given the, the, um, the chance to finish the season. Cause he wasn't as nearly as bad as Scott Frost, I, the Scott Frost one I can understand. Um, and then other one is I was offense being this atrocious. Uh, I mean, I was offense isn't always, t- you know, crazy electric but since 2010 Kirk Harris has been his longest tenure coach in the Big Ten he's been there forever right but since 2010 uh their best season in terms of points per game is 31.8 and that was in 2020 um and that was 40th best out of 128 teams that season so right now they are like 130th or 128th out of 131 or something like that they're they're bad and so they have to make an offensive coordinator change in Iowa. Let's face it, you know, over the last ten years, hell, even since Kirk Ferentz has been there, they always have a phenomenal defense and probably a playoff contending defense somewhere close, right? They had that swag, like going into last year with how many interceptions are they going to get in the game, right? Um, yeah. And they just can't put an offense together, man. Get us, get some. I mean, I was not a bottom feeder program. Get a freaking competent OC. I mean, Spencer Petrus and, and Aspadia are god awful, and um, so I, if they ever figure that out, you know, they could they, they should be almost a shoe win in the West. Yeah, I want to touch on something you just said about the coach firings, and you said that um, Paul Chris deserved to finish out the season. I don't. I mean, I'm big on this. The only way you should be fired midseason, especially at the college level is if you're doing something um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like shady, like against mm-hmm. the rules, um, detriment to the team, not losing. Like losing isn't for me at the college level. Losing is not an excuse to fire a coach midway through the season, because let's be honest, it's losing in college football. One loss is like a gunshot wound. Two losses, you're dead. So after that, what does it matter? You know what I mean? So um, 
what is the what are you gaining by firing your head coach? Where in the NFL, potentially you fire somebody week five, week six. I guess theoretically you could go on a a run over the next ten or so games, and you could potentially squeak into the playoffs. Like, what are you gaining in college? What being bowl eligible? Like, what? they're probably bowl eligible even with Paul Christ. It's just. We said this even about Harbaugh a couple of years ago when he was on the hot, 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 hot seat in 2020. We were like, yeah, unless we find out that Harbs is doing something illegal. No, he's finishing the season. He deserves that. Right. Um, Andrew's got a couple of questions here in a row, but I'm going to start with this one. It's kind of complex, but he maps it out pretty well. You ready? Yep. So based off of his schematics, who gets left out of the college football playoffs? And what he has written down, in my opinion, it's easy, but I'm going to, you know, I can see it. So for the listeners, here we go. For sake of argument, I'm going to leave Ohio State as the undefeated Big Ten champ. Okay, it seems to be the popular opinion. Ohio State's 13-0 and and Big Ten champion. Clemson is 13-0 and and ACC champion. TCU is 13-0 and Big 12 champion. Oregon is 12 and one as the Pac 12 champion. Their one loss would be to Georgia. Alabama would be 12 and one in the SEC champion. Their loss was to Tennessee. Okay. You obviously have a, uh, a one loss Michigan, a one loss Tennessee, and a one loss Georgia. Who's left out? I'll make it easy about who gets in. In my opinion, this is an easy one. I think this is super easy on the committee. They make this call, no no questions asked. Ohio State's 100% in, undefeated Big Ten. Clemson, undefeated ACC, they're in. Alabama, people don't want to hear this, but at 12-1 and as an SEC champ, they would be in. Okay, so that's three teams. Who's the next one? Is it TCU, undefeated, or Oregon? TCU. TCU at 12 and at 12 or 13-0, and 0, Big 12 champion, I think would be in. That would be your college football playoff. Now, obviously, winner of Michigan, Ohio State gets that Big Ten nod. So insert whoever you want there. Um, but if Alabama is twelve and one and the SEC champion, and the rest of those teams are undefeated, that's that's your four. Absolutely. What's your? I'm, what, do, I, I, do you I'm agree? Right, I'm right there. With you. Yeah, I based off how he has this mapped out. In my opinion, it's easy. You almost need yeah. more chaos. You almost need. Michigan and Ohio State to lose before playing each other. You almost need Clemson to lose at least once. You need TCU to lose at least once because how he's got it mapped out. If you mean to tell me they're picking between twelve and one Oregon or twelve and one Alabama, that hmm. it, it ain't close. They're taking Bama, right? Yeah, especially because Bama would have played Georgia, the team that Oregon lost to. Like, it seems pretty simple to me. Absolutely. Yep. Next question from Andrew, sleeper coach on the hot seat. All right. Well, I uh, I wrote down two coaches and one assistant. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So, sleeper. So, again, sleeper. I got uh, Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Okay. Guy who, I just talk, guy who I just talked about a second ago, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. Apparently, Iowa's just the state of uh, – of just uh, self pity and and, and uh, black dark skies, and then um, as my assistant, I got Josh Gaddis, former Michigan assistant coach down there in Miami, 
They're averaging 29 points per game right now. That's 67th best in the nation. He was brought down there to uh, revitalize them. Uh, they don't look like they're getting revitalized. So that's who I got. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is a sleeper, but I think Auburn's head coach is probably termed too. Um, and this, you know, this isn't fun, but yeah, I think Kirk Ferentz needs to be needs to be terminated. If you can't bring in an offensive coordinator at this point in your life, let's not pretend he's had bad recruits. He's had running backs. He's had old linemen. He's had great tight ends. And you've done nothing with quarterback play, wide receivers. It's time. It's time. You got to get new blood in there. And and real quick. So we just seen Paul Chris get fired from Wisconsin, right? He's arguably done more, if not the same as Kirk Ferentz did in Kirk Ferentz's entire tenure at Iowa. What makes him different? You know, uh, Iowa just might look at themselves kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they're just not yeah. going to fire a coach. Right. And that's not a shot at Tomlin. I think Tomlin's okay, but I think a lot of coaches would be fired if they were in Tomlin's. If Tomlin would play was the head coach for a lot of other franchises, he would have been already be fired by now. Mm. That's my that's the opinion here. Um, he asks again: twenty twenty three surprise playoff team. Uh, last week I would have said Ole Miss. This week I'll say TCU. So you don't think they're a, a playoff team this year? You think they're a surprise next year? Oh no, no, no! I'm talking about. Uh, uh, um, I'm sorry. Did I did I miss your yeah, question? Yes. So so he's basically asking us to predict a surprise team for oh. next season. Oh, gee. I didn't see the 2023 part. That is that's completely my bad. I thought <laughs> I thought for, we were talking about this year. Let me start uh, off that, and I'll let you think about it. For me, yeah, go a team that I've seen enough spark from this season, and I believe their ceiling is high next year. Maybe this is the easy one. I think it's Texas. Texas yeah. at this point has built up enough cred. The quarterback play is getting better. They're bringing in recruits. They have an elite running back, an elite wide receiver, an elite quarterback, and what we believe to be a very good head coach, good play caller. So it's got to be Texas for me. Gotcha. I, I said last week I, I complimented on Texas and of them having one of three really tough ass games to get through. One the being starting last week where they lost, and I thought maybe one or two would have been uh, realistic with them losing. Um, so I'll stick with Texas next year. But since we picked them, uh, maybe I'll say maybe I'll say USC next year. As as Caleb Williams, he's not a senior, is he? No, I believe he's only a sophomore. Correct. So if Caleb Williams comes back next year, they have they you know can have their eyes set on the on the title. And this one is a massive surprise slash sleeper. That I just thought of another one, a team that I think is already being built the right way, and I know a lot of people don't like this guy. I know you don't like this guy, but LSU. As a as a surprise team next year, if they can get the quarterback situation right there, um, they're already building something. Last question from Andrew, and I believe this is the last mailbag. Thoughts on the conferences potentially getting rid of divisions? Well, we start. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, we we actually talked about this back in June when uh, the news broke about. US, USC and UCLA coming in here, right? Yeah, uh, I believe we did. And I'll, I'll uh, 
I'll echo what I what I said uh, at that time too. I'm a traditionalist. I don't want to. I don't like change. I like the pageantry of college football, and I feel like when you know when we we get too crazy with these hypotheticals, um, it just isn't intriguing to me anymore. And you know, I don't like to see the Big Twelve lose Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to be in the SEC, and so the Big Twelve isn't going to be the Big Twelve anymore, in my opinion. The Big Ten. I mean, there's already 14 teams in there now. Now they're going to be the Big 16. Why are we going to still continuously call the Big 10 the Big 10 when there's 16 teams in it? And <clears throat> Michigan, Ohio State, I, I'm not afraid of playing Ohio State two weeks in a row, right? I had a potential of doing that with the Legends and Leaders divisions initially when they did that. Um, that's yeah. why Nebraska and Wisconsin hit each other in the title game. However, um, I, we all look forward to that game at the end of the year because it happens only one time. And if Michigan or Ohio State now are going to be suited up to play back-to-back weeks, maybe I'll maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe there will be some uh, intrigue there still. Regardless, maybe you'll have a, an immediate chance to get your revenge or to double down. Um, and then I just I don't want to lose that rivalry game. And when you're adding these two teams from the the the, the California area, there's going to be expansion after that as well. You mean Oregon possibly? Washington was being talked about. So when you keep adding all these teams, you're going to lose rivalry games. We already don't play Minnesota hardly anymore. Um, we barely have uh, – when we say barely, but we have Michigan State, Ohio State. One of those, we don't know what's going to happen. So um, I just – I'm all for the, the, the playoff expansion. But with these conference divisions, man, I, I'm not for it. I'm just not for it. Uh, so I have a question that I wrote down for you after this mailbag was over. Uh, op- opinion – on this what do you make of common opponent common opponents scoring game results whatever you want to say when it comes to michigan michigan or michigan and ohio state well i mean joe class said it the best i know we, joe Clatt. <coughs> excuse me can't get over this damn call um joe class our boy right but he broke it down perfectly, and we said it. We even talked about it last year. Michigan State plays completely different styles of play, right? While you can't compare them, the the committee will take that into effect, uh, take that into consideration, right? But the thing is, is because the styles of play are different, matchups are different in any sport. If you're gonna if you're gonna nitpick like that, you're never gonna be satisfied, right? Last year. Michigan didn't look great against Indiana. And everyone was like, um, you see how they play Indiana? That's not going to be good enough to be Ohio State. What happened, right? You know, Ohio State, they're going to, they're almost essentially an air raid team. They're going to sling the ball a million times. And statistically, in, in CJ Stroud's attempts, he's right there with a normal quarterback, right? And in the 30s, right? But you watch that game against um, Iowa, they're up by like four touchdowns. And they're in the red zone, and they're still throwing it like they're only up by seven points. When Michigan is like that, when they were at Kinnick, they got up. They're coasting. I don't want them to coast. That's Jim Trussell ball, right? Jim Trussell used to do it all the time. We're going to sit here and nitpick of margin of victory between these two teams. It's just, it's just gonna, it's just beating a dead horse, and it's just boring to me. You know, it's just completely different styles of play, and. Ohio State is going to be all flashy. They got the wide receivers to do it. I feel like we have very talented wide receivers, but what's our strength? You're going to play for your strengths. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if somebody stabs you with a knife in the stomach and you bleed out and die, or if you get bit by a snake at the ankle, it's the small little snake bite and the venom eventually kills you. You're, you're dead both ways. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know which one you like more or which one looks better. Or it, At the end of the day, it still holds the same value. Um, now, I will say this. If a team's continuously struggling with their opponents, yeah, that might be different. But if a team dominates you by running the ball, like the fact of life is it is harder to run the ball than it is to pass the ball as far as Usually, like your completion percent, your completion, your yards per completion and your yards per rush are usually drastically different. Okay. So you're going to have more points if you're constantly passing it. And that's the type of, of, a, of attack that you have. Where if you're running it, you're going to drain the clock. It's going to take more time off. You're going to get those yards, but it's going to be methodical. I don't know this, the, the whole concept that Michigan can't beat Ohio state because they're common opponents. Michigan beat Rutgers 20 to 13 last year. I don't know the score, but Ohio state obliterated Rutgers. What happened? Yeah. So, well, and, and to, I just reminded myself of this too. So, um, damn it. So 2016, let's go to the 2016 Michigan Ohio state game. Michigan had arguably one of their best defenses in school history that year. Yeah. That game, that game, Michigan put Ohio State in really bad field position all game long. Ohio State um, rarely got crossed to 50 that entire game. And I, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not. But what I remember is that is Michigan was able to pin them deep on every one of their possessions. And that's what kept Michigan in that game the whole time until overtime. And Ohio State obviously won that game, correct? That game last week against um, against Iowa, Iowa was pinned deep. Their offense obviously is not electric. We've hit that nail on the head already. They're yeah. not going to be they're not going to be built to to play catch up. And so when you're not when when uh, Ohio State is going to put them in bad field position, dude, you're playing right in the hands, right? And so Iowa turned the ball over a million times, but that was because a lot of it was field position. Ohio State could pin their ears back. And so it's all the flow of the game, all of, of the styles of play, right? Like we both just said, like you just nailed on the head, man. So if again, if you you can you can play win margin all day, all you know, all you want. Michigan destroyed Ohio State last year at home. We threw the ball six times in the second half. What what, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <coughs> um, that's all I got for the mailbag. Anything else before we go on to this weekend's games? No, I'm good, buddy. <clears throat> okay uh we're finishing up here i only got a couple of games these are uh dual ranked matchups start with number one the number two ranked ohio state buckeyes are traveling to state college to play number 13 penn state <clears throat> penn state coming off um you know two weeks ago they lose to michigan and last week they have a whiteout and they beat minnesota pretty handily um I think we both think Ohio State wins this game, but is it close? Is it a blowout? What are you thinking here? Yeah, I think it. I think it might be. I might. It might be close early, but uh, I think Ohio State will pull away on this. I maybe it looks like the Notre Dame game early, and then Ohio State shows up late. Um, 
You know, it's a noon game. It's on a whiteout at, at nighttime. That probably bodes well for the Buckeyes. Uh, give me Ohio State, uh, close early, big late. Yeah, I think I pretty much agree with that. I just think that uh, at the end of the day, I don't know that Penn State can stop how Ohio State's going to kind of attack them. They, I didn't see the pass rushes when we played them. The running game isn't that great to keep them off the field. Ohio State probably does what they need to. And while it might stay close for a, a little bit there, as Penn State home games are typically pretty raucous, it's just they'll run out of gas. Number nine, Oklahoma State traveling to Kansas State, number 22 in the country. Uh, Oklahoma State just beat Texas last week. I got them I got them going into Kansas State and beating them too. Oklahoma State's a lot better than what we probably think. They only have the one loss on the year. They're still battling to win that Big 12. Um, their one loss actually might be to TCU. Does that sound right? Uh, yep, they have 43 to 40 to lost. Yeah, so I got Oklahoma State beating Kansas State. What about you? I got, I'm just saying, I got, I got Okie State winning this. And last week, I took TCU to beat Kansas State uh, in that ranked matchup, whatever. And Kansas State was up on TCU for most of that game. TCU came back late to win that. Uh, my, yeah. my pick there was looking a little iffy, but they, they pulled it out. And so now I think that Kansas State's going to drop two in a row. And uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys, the only OSU team that I root for, wins. Number 19, Kentucky. They did start hot this year. They dropped two in a row. They've won since then. They're traveling to Knoxville to play number three, Tennessee. Volunteers have looked, uh, obviously, the last two games. They beat Bama in in the, the upset of the year, and then they obviously destroyed Tennessee whoever last week. Tennessee Tech, Tennessee Chattanooga, Tennessee Snotty Nosebleed. Who knows what they were, but um, they beat them down. Where are you going here? You think Tennessee keeps it rolling? I, they keep it rolling. They're averaging 50 points a game, and uh, it's at night. So um, they're not probably going to be tearing down the goalposts this week because it's not Alabama. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think uh, I think they take care of Kentucky. <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree. I think Tennessee rolls too. So basically, in my opinion, the top three – these top 10 teams, I think, all stay alive this week. And uh, there's a, there's not too many other ones that are even in danger. Pretty large spreads across the board, but these ones were, the, were some of the top ones. Um, anything else? <clears throat> no, that, that that's about it. Okay, okay real quick. So I, I, I'm just scrolling here or whatever. And, all right, so yeah. Ohio State ranked two. Penn State ranked 13. Yeah. Go to this game because on ESPN score, uh, they have the ticket prices. You can go to that game for 85 bucks. You scroll down to Michigan, Michigan State, the lowest you get is 225. Like, I'm going to boast a little bit here. That's about that block M right there, boys. It, dude, it is prestigious to go to a Michigan game. It just is. I hate it for my wallet, my own personal wallet's sake, but that, like, goddamn, a Penn, as a Penn State fan right now, hey, you bet your sweet ass I'm going to go to the game for 85 bucks. What the hell? You'd think. You'd think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. Um, I just want to beat Michigan State. Uh, gosh. You know, I know the the little brother thing's pretty cheesy. I'll hundred percent agree to that. I call him little brother all the time, even though it's cheesy and the, the gimmick has kind of died since Mike Hart said it, and then we've been pretty piss poor. But you know, Chase Winovich said it. Just because little brother gets the best of you doesn't mean they're not little brothers. Sometimes you gotta put them back in their place. So Yeah. I don't mind the Mike. I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind the Mike Hart stuff. He went four and zero. He backed it up, right? Yeah. The only uh, the Chase Winovich stuff. I'm kind of there. What misses me is is Taylor Lewan. Like me as a Michigan fan, you know, some people are born Jewish, Catholic, Muslim. I was born a Michigan fan, right? This is my religion. Um, I cannot side with Taylor Lewan. I don't care if he's from Michigan. I think. Taylor Wan is a longtime douche lord, and he's even worse since he's been graduated. Now that he's on the Tennessee Titans, he go and like he's at a Tennessee Titans press conference, and he's up here talking about Michigan, Michigan State. Dude, let it go. Okay, you didn't beat Michigan State, I think, zero times once, if at all, and he didn't even have an impact in it. Just shut the hell up for once. But he he had stuff, to have beat he had to have beat him once in that uh, that field goal game for the nine hundredth win. <laughs> 2012. Yeah, uh, just I don't know. I, I said what I said about him. I just he just so cringed to me. But yeah, the Mike Hart man, he he did what he did. He had to do it. Like even against Ohio State, Mike Hart never beat him. But so single handedly put up the stats. But uh, yeah, Michigan State, we need this win, boys. We need this win. This this is a type of game where this resonates me with me for like two three weeks. Like this ruins my month. This ruins my Halloween. And with Ohio State, because we've taken in the tailpipe for so long, it uh, it's a, definitely a bummer uh, when you lose. And I feel like me personally, I can kind of get over it in a couple in a couple days, almost a few days, because like, you're used to the ass whooping. But with Michigan State, man, this is uh, this is why I uh, I have to watch. It. I can't watch this game with anybody but myself. Maybe you. That's it. You know, I. Uh... My, we have a Halloween party that night. Yeah, and I, I I told you all this off air, but I, I'll tell the listeners here. So my wife, you know, I had a feeling this game was going to be a night game. It was heavily rumored to be a night game. So my wife says, "You see, so and so are having Halloween parties." Shout out Nutters if you're listening, Andrew. You see, the Nutters are having a Halloween party, and I said, "Yeah." She's like, "Well, you know, the couples need to dress up as something." I was like, "I'm not going." Like, what do you mean you're not going? I was like, Michigan, Michigan State's gone that night. <laughs> and she's like, you're kidding me. I'm like, why would I be kidding you? And holy cow, there was an explosion. Obviously, I'll have to watch the game at the Nutter's house. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Priority, son. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? Obviously, some people take sports more serious than others, right? I just said it's I, my religion. But if yeah. you're a Michigan fan, I sure hope to God you don't have you don't plan a wedding you don't plan a kid's birthday Gosh. you don't even have you don't have uh, I don't know Christmas in July in our you know you just don't do it this is not the this isn't the weekend to do it stop doing it you crazy people you know I, I know. 
I, I tell my wife this all the time. I don't love my kids <laughs> any less just because I want to watch my football team. Like it's one yeah. time a week. It's not the end of the world, but yeah, it, like you alluded to, man, it's, it's, it's religion. It's part of us. It's just, it's how we're built that, you know, Michigan football means something to us. And damn it, if we don't beat Michigan State, we're canceling this damn podcast. No, not really. But, <laughs> um, yeah, beat Michigan State. That's all I got. Yep. Well, go Blue Buddy, and hopefully next Tuesday we got smiles on our faces and I don't have a, a hole in the drywall behind me, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go Blue. We'll see you guys next week, regardless, W or L. It probably won't be an L. It'll be a W. But we'll see you guys next week. We'll talk about what we liked, what we disliked, what we did want to see more of. And obviously, we'll be on to uh, greener pastures. So see you guys next time. We're out. Go blue. Real talk. Go blue.